Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another psychobatical podcast with me, your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. Uh, as you can hear, there's, I'm not recording this one beside a motorway or uh, walking along. I'm actually in my, uh, my flat. Um, I was going to try and record an interview uh, yesterday with a friend of mine, Pete Rhodes, who's trying to um, build, a, build a boat so he's going to row across the Atlantic, uh, the North Atlantic, which is kind of tougher than the you know going across the middle um but unfortunately i seem to be living in this like podcasting uh dystopia where everywhere everywhere i was trying to f- get a good signal to uh have a conversation with him uh it just wouldn't it just w- it didn't work so um I, I even and where there was a good signal like i went i went and ended up going to mcdonald's and uh but there was like too many kids shouting and screaming so i can't record it there so i have to put that aside for um uh for a while till i can find a good signal but i'm actually in my in my uh house and uh, i got up early this morning to record this podcast and i thought like here like it'll be like the call to prayer is is about sort of half past four five o'clock in the morning so i'll so i'll get up after that and because uh, it's like actually quite loud the call to prayer because you have all these um there's like mosques like everywhere like every 500 meters is a mosque so you've got like four mosques around you and then there's like all these other ones so this call to prayer begins and it's just this like kind of sort of uh really strange kind of noise because they all kind of mix together but um so that generally wakes you up in the morning anyway so so anyways i got up and i thought that'd be great i'll get up and i'll do my podcast and it'll be it'll be quiet uh and uh and of course, like my next door neighbor was on his turbo at like six in the morning next door, like for like <laughs> quite a long time. So <clears throat> anyway, so I, uh, yeah, so it's quite, it's quite tricky, uh, this podcasting thing, like recording it, like getting the levels right and everything else. It's more, there's more, um, there's more to it than I, uh, than I thought really. So, but I, it's an ongoing process and I'm slowly slowly working it out uh, just checking how much recording this yeah that's true um like a few i've, I've had some really good i've had some really good uh res- responses so far to this to this whatever this is um but a few negatives um about not rambling too much to stop rambling uh so but it's a kind of yeah i'm a kind of a rambly kind of rambly kind of person I probably I'm going to I'm probably going to read I worry I ain't got time to read it now but I was going to probably I was going to read cuz someone said oh I really like your writing but I but I find you kind of rambly when you're talking and I have, I have this weird thing I remember a few years ago a well, long time ago I did this talk in Boulder Colorado 
and I'd done all this uh, like writing that appeared in like American climate magazines. And I turned up to do this uh, slideshow for the Alpinist magazine. And the the organizer, um, uh, Christian Beckworth, he was like, he didn't he didn't really believe I was the same person because like what I was how I wrote was this like really, really serious, considered um you know sort of studious kind of you know person but then the person who turned up with this kind of slightly you know sort of you know nut job kind of uh random you know inappropriate kind of person and he said there was like there was almost like there was no connection between these two these two people like the 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 writing person and the and the and the i don't know it's not even the public person because when you're on a because when you're on a stage the person you portray, or well, when you're on, I should, you should say when you're on a stage is whenever you're performing, and you and I would say I, I, most people are performing the whole time. Any interaction with someone else, they're they're, they're exactly the same as being on a stage. They're always performing. So you, so the person who was performing was not like the person who was writing. And but the the reality of all these things is the real person, the real the real me. Is somewhere in between the two, like the stage, the stage persona and the the writing persona. But I think the write the writing is probably a little bit more who I really am. But um, but with with the good thing about writing is that you can you can sit down and you can you know you have like a lot of time to really consider uh, your your words and get your thoughts into some kind of uh, order. And uh, it's like writing code or something. You're trying to. You're trying, you're trying to impart this uh this some kind of message or something so it's you've got a lot more time so that's for me like right the problem with me for writing is it takes a long time to write something and uh well, when you're standing on a stage you like if you if you're doing this like if you're doing a performance on a stage last time i was on tour i think i did like this the same basic talk uh about 35 times so towards the Within like the by the second time you you're basically you got like the foundation of what you're going to be talking about because you have all these slides behind you so you can like they're like a reference point for where you are like a like grid reference for where you are in the in your sort of slideshow your performance so um by the second time you've got like all the groundwork of what was working and and anyway so but it's the same when you're in a conversation like last night I went to a climbing wall here which is like well it's not really a climbing wall it's like a climbing were it's like it's there you know maybe like three meters high by like three meters wide and there's all these you know people there like trying to climb on these like tiny little bouldering wall and that's the only climbing here and uh but you realize that when you're having these conversations with people you're basically repeating a conversation you've had with someone else uh you know to all these you know you're just performing this you know you tell the same stories and you tell the same anecdotes i always have this anecdote about uh, someone was talking about grades in America, and I was like, "Oh, I had these. I know these people, and they were climbing these Norwegians, and they were climbing, and it was like really, they were really hard. They found the roots really hard in Yosemite, and they didn't understand why. And then one day, um, someone said, like, well, look up, let me show me the roots.' And they're like, "Well, these roots, we're doing these roots. Oh my God, they're like death roots. Look, it says like no pro, and they thought it meant no problem." And so I must have told that story like a million times. And I don't even, it's actually a secondhand story from somebody else, but I always tell it like it was some friends of mine. But you've, but this story is like a block of code in a way. And it's just there in your, you know, like you're, you just pull it out and you just repeat the story. So, uh, so, um, 
But with a with a with a podcast, because it's not necessarily pre-constructed what you're going to say uh and often you're in a situation where like the last one you know you're like freezing your ass off and you're like, outside a coffee shop at eight in the morning and the traffic's going by and you're not trying not to you're trying not to speak too loud like you can't like here in this country uh you can't really walk around taking photographs with a camera or ever pay too much attention to anything uh like i've basically got this this voice recorder which has got two metal prongs at the end and it looks a bit like a like a taser so it's kind of getting me into quite a lot of trouble like tr there's a lot of security here so if you try and go into like a mall and they open your bag and they say like what's this and i was trying to demonstrate that i was uh i was like holding it in my like in my hand like like hello 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 and then i was like pretending to like taser myself with it and then say no 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 but it was like the guy was getting so confused i think he was gonna like shoot me or something but luckily some guy came along who could speak english he was trying, he was trying to explain but um <laughs> So I don't have a don't have a plug-in plug for that conversation that this is not a taser. So so yeah, anyway, so, you said, so when you're podcasting in like a public place, because it's quite hard to find a good place to do this, um, is uh it it creates a you can hear it when I listen back to myself speaking, it's kind of it's uh, weird. It doesn't sound like me. Another thing I've realized is um I've been doing this uh I've been doing this um uh periodic fasting kind of thing so not eating any f not eating anything for like 16 hours at a time like just like in the week because i found, i thought i was thinking it was it was very good for my like mental mental clarity or whatever and but what but what i was what i was failing to what i failed to realize been doing this for quite a long time was i was i was actually still drinking like mint tea or uh green tea and things and things like that when i was doing this sort of fasting but then i found out that's not actually that's not actually the way to do it you, ha you can't really have anything like that so so then i went so i've been doing it like a more serious kind of uh fasting where and i found that it's actually had like a detrimental effect on my uh on my, on my brain in that i've had real problems with uh re recalling words like if you listen to some of my podcasts i'm having a real hard time remembering like really really simple simple words and i've basically put it down to uh to 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 this this uh periodic fasting so i'm gonna have to modify my uh periodic fasting but it was it actually worked quite well with mint tea so we shall we shall see about that um but before i crack on with what i'm going to talk about um one one issue i've been thinking a lot about recently i've been reading i've been reading books about the the 19th century for some reason like i read this book a while ago weapons of mass instruction which is about the um, education, which I highly recommend. I'm always surprised that teachers have never read this book because it is a really fantastic book, and it was written by, a, an, you know, like an award-winning, one of the best teachers, like working in New York, who left the teaching profession, wrote this book, kind of a damning, you know, sort of book about um, ed modern education, and he sort of draws a, some parallels back to he, he talks about Bismarck and. Uh, like another, another, and had Bismarck's effect on education, and Otto von Bismarck. And Bismarck is—he uh, also is a very, he's also a big character in one of my favorite books, which is the Forty Eight Laws of Power, which sounds like one of these like bullshit books you buy in a buy in an airport, but it's actually not. It's actually a really good book. It's the number one book. It was a number one book in American prisons. I think it's banned banned there now. Anyway, highly recommend it as an audio book if you're driving around. Great for kids. It's got some amazing. Just so many great stories in there. Um, 
One of one of my one of my favorite stories in there. I'll just I'll share it because you know one of my favorite stories in there is uh, um, I can't remember who it was now, but it, say it was uh, Rockefeller. Like Rockefeller uh, collected um, watches, and there was a watchmaker in New York, and he thought I'll make this beautiful watch and I'll try and sell it to Rockefeller. So he, he makes this beautiful watch. And he puts it in a box and he has a letter and he has it sent to Rockefeller. And he says that, you know, this, if you want this watch, the watch is going to cost you $500. You know, this is the 1920s or something. So the, wa- the watch goes away. Where's a few days? A few days later, uh, Rockefeller's uh, driver arrives and he comes in and he, and he hands him this, the box with the watch inside. You know, it's just a wooden box and he has this letter. And he hands him the letter and, and he, uh, he opens the letter. And it says, like, dear Mr. Watchmaker, um, this is a beautiful watch, but I feel it's only worth $400. If you feel that's fair, then please, please, um, please take this, you know, um, uh, please, uh, you know, give the, give the watch back to my driver and I'll, I'll forward you a check for the, for $400. Uh, and if not, then um, please, you know, find the, find your watch returned. And he's like, no, no, like it's worth five hundred dollars. I'm not willing to sell it for any cheaper than that. So the uh, so the the driver nods and um, and and walks out. And then the, the watchmaker opens the box. Inside is a check for uh, for five hundred dollars. So there's lots of stories like that. There's a good book. But anyway, so Bismarck's in this book uh, quite a lot. You know, really amazing, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, politician. Uh, like a re- you know a lot of the the world we live in is probably you know down to to Bismarck like he he introduced the idea of retirement at uh, 65 basically to try and get rid of all the uh, old people uh, out of work so uh, so there's work for young people to try and deal with unemployment the same way of like making uh, extending education out to like to leave like 21 is a way of trying to remove people from like the labor market and all these kind of there's, there's lots of really interesting um uh, things about Bismarck, so so this is this is me not sticking to my non-random uh, uh, thing here. Um, but anyway, read, reading reading about Bismarck, reading about basically at the time from like the French Revolution uh, leading up to like the First World War, really is a really interesting period to read because you realise um, how you know the modern world is kind of const- constructed there, really, and and, the, and most of Europeans were living under like serfdom like a form of slavery basically so but reading this made me think about the the digital world we live in in that a few people have been like oh why don't you do your podcasts as like a video and why don't you video it and stick it on youtube and and all these podcasts are on youtube but they're just like a static image there and uh i've I've, I've kind of come to this conclusion that Basically, when I started doing this kind of making a living as a someone who's creating sort of content, whether it was writing for a magazine or whatever, you know, if you if you if you were good, you could basically get about a dollar a word. Where now you're basically getting a dollar every thousand words or every hundred thousand words, and um, in a way, you you become a uh, like a surf, like a digital surf, in that you are producing all this content like you're writing blogs and you're producing videos and you're doing podcasts and you're doing all these things and it's all on the in the belief that you will get some kind of financial reward for doing it further down the line you'll either become really famous and you'll you know and you'll 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 be making eight million dollars out of 
you know, Facebook uh, out of YouTube adverts, but only if you're doing something like opening presents or something. Um, I was thinking you could have a video where you're just like masturbating, looking at pornography. Uh, I think that might actually be a huge growth industry, but unfortunately, my wife doesn't agree. Um, <laughs> she probably do enough of that already. Anyway, so, um, but you know, but, the, but you, you feel like you're trying to produce like really, really good content. And then you just look at like a child that's making $8 million just opening presents, opening boxes on YouTube. And you think, what's kind of the point? Um, but yeah, so I've, I, f I feel like I, 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 I'm getting to this point where I feel like it's maybe time to start withdrawing that kind of to just just be like producing content because you're like like it's really I think it's really important in your life to be a happy person is to serve somebody else so like I think Bob Dylan's got that really good song about you've got to serve somebody um and I think that is like that is probably one of the one of the core ways to be happy as a person like serve your community or you know so I, I've always felt like I served like the climbing community and in this this book I'm trying to finish at the moment like that you know that is directly that's not necessarily about making money out of writing a book about abseiling and how not to die abseiling but it but it is primarily about serving your your community and hopefully in the in the process that your community buys it and you you know, sustains you as someone who is serving the community, like it's a, you know, so, um, but yeah, but then, but yeah, so, but still, so the podcasting thing is easy because I just have to sit down and do it. I don't have to spend like hours and hours and hours like writing something that just is just taken for granted in a way because it, because everything's just taken, taken for granted. I take everything for granted. I'll, I listen to, you know, all these podcasts and it's very, very rare. Like I give some money to, like Wikipedia and I give some money to various, you know, set, certain people who I think are producing good, good content. But then there's so many people you don't because it's just, it's just kind of there really. And uh, hopefully the people who, you know, hopefully, hopefully the people you listen to, you know, like your, your Sam Harris's and people like that, that, you know, that they're, it's, it works out really well for them, but it's, but it's a, you know, it's an interesting thing. I was thinking about just, um, just uh, getting rid of all that kind of social media stuff and just having your blog like you know there's there's no way to find any content apart from on that blog like I'm, at the moment I'm also trying to revamp my website and I'm changing it over into different sort of content management system and it's going to be a lot it's going to work a lot better hopefully um but yeah so it's a I know I think we're, we are like in a, in a, weird, a weird sort of stage um for uh for like information and how we like this has been a long-term issue of like how you pay for for good content like this this book i'm writing uh you know it's like seventy thousand words it'd be amazing to make it like open source and just have it all on my website so you know it'd be like the ultimate resource for climbing for for, for people not dying climbing there's a few websites out there that they have like an article or whatever but this is like this is like so in so in depth and also it's you know you could you could keep expanding it you could keep modifying it, it could have like a wiki and it could do the same with like the big wall book which is like three hundred thousand words and you could just all be there but to give it away for free would be insane because it's just taking you you know a year of your life to do it like the only way you could ever it could ever work was if you if people you know you'd have to you'd have to try and work out the value of something over like a long a long period so it's uh it's never never going to happen but anyway since you know i don't know how i don't know how these things are going to resolve themselves but 
they will. So, but anyway, I thought I thought because uh, um, <laughs> because uh, I couldn't talk to Pete on the phone. Um, and I didn't want to be rambling on too much. So hopefully they've not been rambling on too much. Hopefully I've got like the rest of the wasn't awesome point to what I just said then. Uh, I, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to quickly, I'm going to read something, uh, which was a, a, a little blog post I did. And I'm just going to sort of add a few words to it because it's kind of been on my mind a little bit. Um, so this was a, a podcast on my, a, a, a pod, a, a post on my website, I think it was called like Little Anita Needs to Fly, which is a play on the um, uh, Werner Herzog film. Um, so I'll just, I'm going to read you the, the, the post and I'll kind of talk about it. Okay. I probably get two messages a day from someone who wants to do a climb or a trip of their lives to climb a big wall, to pack in their job they hate and go somewhere wild, dreams big and small, some doable, some less so. The message I got from Anita from Romania was sort of typical. Someone who wanted to climb El Cap, but really had zero experience of big wall climbing. Only a copy of my book, Higher Education. What stood out in her email was this paragraph. Eight months ago, when I fractured both my legs and my cervical, in brackets, the doctor told me I wouldn't be able to climb this year and actually should give up. But I knew they didn't know what, what is climbing, so I didn't listen to them. However, it was really hard. I cried a lot. Then in the middle of August, I started to lead. I was so afraid of falling. In the, next, in the few messages I got back and forth, I tried to sound like the voice of reason to be the one who said, calm the fuck down, as I thought she was probably someone who had too high a romantic notion of climbing a big wall. But once she got on one, she'd fold, because most people do. But then there was this part of this part of how she talked, like nothing was going to stop her, not the doctors, not me, not reality. And then yesterday I got this email. Hi Andy, I think it is really funny what happened, so I might so I thought maybe I should write two or three words about it. Well in all, it was good, but the grades in Yosemite are much harder compared to Europe. I felt okay on five seven, but on five eight I wasn't so confident. First we tried the nose as a three. We haven't climbed together. We also didn't know what to ho what a whole system to use. We had a 140 meter rope because we thought that was one one of the rope will go one follower while the leader is doing the hauling on the other end. Well, it was a fiasco. The rope tangled up so badly that it took us three hours to untangle it. So we bailed. I insisted to not, but the guys wanted and they didn't listen to me and I was the most inexperienced. I insist on trying again, so the next time our haul bags were lighter, without a portal edge and a lot of unnecessary stuff. We did the whole system one to one, not three to one. It was way faster. As for my first big wall and my first aid climb, I did the pancake flake and it was a bit scary. I didn't even know the sizes of our gear, haven't used alien offsets before or totems or brass nuts or cam hooks, but on that pitch I used everything. Thanks for your higher education book, even though I didn't have any experience with them, at least from the photos and the descriptions helped me finalize the pitch. A bit slow, but in control, because the theoretic, theoretically, I knew what I had, to, what I have to do. That was really useful. It was hard, the whole Jew marring everything, but I kept reminding myself what you wrote in your book. 
just don't haul, keep moving. And you forget to and you forgot to tell us about the possibility that a mouse can eat your food on the wall. Or maybe I didn't notice it. So at camp at camp four, where we bivvied, in brackets, the worst bivvy in my life, I just tried to sleep, hanging in my harness, because I offered the old guy the good bivvy place, as he had some back issues. As the mouse ate our bread, we were tight on food. The third day, we were we were before dark at camp six, fixed the rope on the changing corner where everything smelt like piss, and for the next day, bad weather was announced and we thought to give a push to the top. So from camp camp five, we did a 24-hour push. Uh, from camp four, we did a 24-hour push to the top. In the night, it was very windy. Also, the whole valley was evacuated because of the strong winds. We were frozen at the top. Then we slept for four hours and that was it. Thanks for a lot of everything, Andy. Just keep writing. You inspire me a lot. I really like the idea of aid climbing and want to learn more about it. Have a nice day, Anita. So, 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 so Anita was this, uh, this sort of crazy, uh, crazy Romanian woman, and I had this. You know, she sent me some of these photographs of her laid in bed with like two broken legs and a broken pelvis, and. Like reading, reading between the lines, it just sounded like one of these people where they have this incredible dr- drive. Like they just, they just get, they they find climbing, and I would say like Vanessa, my wife, is one of these people, is where they find this thing, this climbing thing, and it like makes complete sense, and it just is like you, you find this community of people, you find this history, uh, you find this, this. You know, you've got like the, you've got this endless amount of fruit. You've got the low hanging fruit, and it get, the tree gets higher and higher and higher. And you've just, you know, you get good really, really quickly. And you're learning new skills, and the skills, the, the amount you can learn is just, you know, like endless. You know, you can get good at sport climbing, then you can get good at trad climbing, then you're good at ice climbing, then you get big wall climbing, then you can go on expeditions, and you can go. You know, it's just like you're always learning some something the whole time. So it's. You know, like an amazing sport, like climbing and mountaineering. And she was one of these people where she probably, you know, she, she some people are like very high achievers or they're, you know, they just, you know, they just really throw themselves into something. So they were really good at running or they're really good at gymnastics and then they get to climbing and they get really good at climbing and they're just, you know, they're just like a sponge. And, um, and, they, and climbing when, I think when people like discover climbing, later on because usually when you're young and you, and you discover climbing you're sort of introduced to climb by somebody else and that person has gone through these phases themselves and they will kind of put a little bit of a break on your enthusiasm and they will make you go through the process and they will make you learn how to be safe and they'll they'll you know they'll they'll harness that energy you have uh so it's so it's focus and it's and, it, and you're not it's not going to kill you basically um, but I think when you're, if you discover climbing when you're an adult, you don't have that, and people are less likely to, to say to you like, look, you know, you just need to calm the fuck down, you know, stop. You don't want to be, don't be soloing around, and don't be, don't be finding it funny that all your gear falls out, or whatever, you know. And you need that kind of, uh, you need that sort of calming force in your life, and that's why it's quite good to be part of a climbing club or to be. To have that influence, if it's just you and your friend, then you're just getting into climbing. It's, it's actually really, really, it's kind of really, really dangerous. It's like it's like 
let's me and my friend are going to learn learn how to do paragliding or parachuting. <laughs> we're just going to buy a parachute and just start working it out as we go along. And really, you need really need someone who's, who knows about parachuting to sort of give you some guidance uh, to, to do that kind of thing. And what what happens is is people generally, luckily, like climbing as a, as an ability to. Uh, to you know someone said you're not you know like mike tyson said everyone's got a plan till you get punched in the face and uh and and i think that 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 happens in climbing is that generally most climbers have like a really really terrifying experience like a massive fall or some something which is it which is really uh it really recalibrates their their view of themselves as a human being as a as a climber and that that either like stops them climbing they just give up climbing or it, it, it makes them like take it more seriously and it makes them a, better, a much better climber. So with Vanessa, my wife, she was a, you know, a slightly gung-ho kind of climber. And I always, you know, like I, I was the, I was the person who was, she, she luckily she was part of a climbing club in Ireland and, and, and that had a really good influence on her. Like, you know, had these older climbers who were telling her to, to calm down and what's what's interesting i've had a few interact few conversations with people uh women generally women climbers who felt that that men were being patronizing to them directly because they were telling them to calm the fuck down and these any i think they saw this as being like men telling women to not yeah but i don't think it is like that because i've seen i've seen i've seen men say the same thing to to young guys and stuff and it's uh, it's probably more dangerous that people don't say anything because they they don't want to sound like a sexist asshole or something. So um, you know, like experience, I don't know. You just got you just got to like apply when people tell you these things. Are they saying this because you know, like if if you know, anyway, it's a, it's a difficult it's a difficult subject. I just think you're better to sound like a sexist asshole and uh, save someone's life or you know make someone safer than than, than not say it. So. Like I've seen it, I've experienced it myself when I was in, I've been in Yosemite, you know, like I've climbed El Cap 30 times or something. I have quite a lot of experience, like I've written books about it. And I would sit, and generally if you saw like two guys like gearing up, um, like in the car park or whatever, you go up and like, oh, what are you up to? And they're all going to do this, they're do the shield or whatever. And you'd be like, oh, oh, you need, you know, just, I don't know if you, you know, just a bit of advice, like this, this bit's here or blah, 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 blah. But generally, when I when I'd see like two women doing that more now than in the past, uh, like Jen Randall, who I made the film Psycho Vertical with, um, that's how I met her because she and a friend were like going to do the nose or something, and they've been failing on the nose loads and loads of times. They, you know, they're like two or three failures climbing El Cap, and I went over there and I was like having a conversation with them. And I was giving them some advice, and other people give them advice, and then they ended up doing it. But but at that time, you know, it was only you know, 2013 or something, 2012, you know, you, you weren't in that space where you set, where you felt like you were being a sexist asshole or something or misogynistic or something. So um, where now you feel less less able to do that because you don't want to sound like one of those kind of people, which is a real shame because, past, like, I, I ended up climbing El Cap that many times because I had the advice of all these people who came up and told us, things when we were when we were like learning how to do it so um anyway so i think i think just just do it just say it just give give people advice to people in the right way and that's anyway so 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 with vanessa um i remember we did a route in squamish it was like a 510 i think it was a 510d 
uh, like big slabby multi-pitch climb and squamish and it was it ended up being really really dirty and really really run out and she had this uh, for some reason she was on like the last like the last pitch and she was basically the bolts were like massively spaced apart and it was really it was quite a kind of re- very very f- friction climbing but also the the rock was like dirty and she was she basically got off route and she ended up um way off just with no gear whatsoever and she ended up in this position where there was a there was like a bush like hanging down but like one strand of like a vine was hanging down and she ended up basically grabbing this vine and basically you know this vine was like a vine you know she basically started sort of like smearing up this thing holding on to like one almost like one leaf at a time pulling herself up this thing and she managed to get to some safety to a tree made a bealer but that really that really like wiped out her this this crazy you know you know crazy kind of confidence she had which was which was really good it kind of you know it was very it was very good and that, and, and that's what happens to most climbers have this they have this thing where they you know the the and anyways but so anita was another one of these climbers you could read what she'd done that she'd you know, basically pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, falling off, broken both her legs. Uh, like luckily she didn't die, um, and uh, but that hadn't really taken the edge off her. You know, she was still like maybe be- maybe because of the accident, she was even like some. I, I know I know climbers who've like had like horrific falls where they fell, you know, like thirty meters and decked out and were just like smashed to pieces. And but then they sometimes have this kind of survivors kind of thing where they can't be killed it's like weird like human beings are weird they just seem to they're invincible because they survived this fall where other people will be like fucking hell i nearly died i'm not doing that again so but she had she anyway she's from what she was reading she there was all these reasons why she shouldn't go and climb el cap and i kind of laid them all out like you've got no experience but the same but el cap is kind of you know big wall climbing is kind of weird because it really is actually quite easy but it's just like a huge amount of work and a huge amount of fannying on and like hassle and trying to, and it's not only your, like that's why soloing a big wall is actually a lot easier than climbing it with someone else because it's the other people who, all the shit they bring along as well that that, that can generally, you generally don't, generally it's not El Cap that beats you. It's like it's, you beat yourself and, you know, if, if, if you've got a partner who isn't enjoying being there, or it's like way better than you, or way worse than you. Then they, you're fighting with that person, really, and that's what that that's what makes you come down. And she had she had all sorts of reasons why she shouldn't try the nose. And I try to do the, you know, try to do I try and be like the voice of reason these days. And I was like, you know, well, maybe you should maybe you should go out there and you should do you know as much climbing as you can, and maybe you should do some other routes. You could do like Leaning Tower or some other some other routes but then that, that's not what I did you know I I just you know I just we went there and we, we got on the shield like day day two or day one or something and we started climbing up the shield and we kind of made lots of mistakes and sort of learned that way so by you know at the beginning we were like complete you know like novice big wall climbers but by the top of the when we got to the shield at the top of the shield were actually pretty good you know we kind of knew well we thought we knew what we we're doing um but you never really do. You never know what you're doing. So, so anyway, so that was, uh, so as I was trying to be like the voice of reason, but at the same time, you're like this person, they have so much drive that they probably, 
they probably can do it. Uh, but I, I offer, but then it's like, what you know, what's her base of skill? So I, I often remember this young guy who was telling me he wanted to climb, you know, climb in Yosemite, climb a big wall. And I was, I was like, yeah, you can do it, you can do it. You know, it's like easy. Uh, don't worry about it. You know, it's like it's fine. And he basically went out there, and I think he was trying to, he was like fixing ropes on leaning tower or or, or one of those kind of walls, easy, easier walls. And none of them are easy, but like an easier wall in Yosemite. And as he was wrapping down uh, on, he was fixing his ropes. He just wrapped off the end of the rope and he fell. And luckily, he only broke his arm. Uh, you know, got really bashed up and broke his arm. And but that was like for me, that was like that that checked me in that that don't assume that just because someone's really enthusiastic and uh, sort of you've sort of contaminated them with your your enthusiasm that they, they can do it, that they actually have all the base skills like necessary. Like they may understand some big things, you know, they may know how to put a port ledge up, but they may not know about tying a knot in the end of the rope or they may, you know, they may just not be like the right stuff for, for that kind of thing. So, um, so, but some people can, yeah, you know, some people can learn like really, really quickly. Like Vanessa, I think she's climbed El Cap like five, you know, five times. And the last route we did was uh, Tribal Right, which is quite actually, you know, quite actually quite hard. I would say it was like A A three plus A four kind of sort of climbing. You know, it's like super long, and uh, you know, she did some really hard pitches, and she was kind of learning as she was doing it because she's like super smart. She could you know, slightly, slightly work it out. But then sometimes she took some falls because she just made like dumb mistakes because, you know, like aid climbing is a bit like um, diffusing a bomb. You know, you really have to have your, you know, really understand you know, where your, your pliers are and where, you know, what how, how these things connect to each other. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really forgive mistakes that much aid climbing. You Like you've got so much gear and even if you take a fall and rip out loads of gear, you're not going to kill yourself. But there was a there was a few bits. I remember there was a bit where she was climbing up a pitch, and she basically started heading off on all these like these like p tiny little flakes, which were really hollow. Like that, you know, it was like a like a sauce, like a you know, like a like a plate, like you'd eat your dinner off, like that thin, just like all kind of stuck on the wall. And I was like, that yeah, I don't think it should be going up there. And she said, no, no, it's like I can't see it. And I'm like, look, it's supposed to be some like sky hooking you know going left and she's like i can't see anything can't see anything and uh you know anyway she ended up like down climbing this thing and there were some obvious obvious sky hooking placements to go around to avoid them and she just didn't have that experience of knowing what a sky hook placement would look like you know i don't know what she thought she was looking for but so it's like so it's like built it's like slowly building up it's like it's like sediments of experience like slowly slowly building them up so when you get to that point where you're having to place a copperhead or you're having to, um, you know, like dry tool up some, you know, some, some mixed ground or, uh, like rescue someone, you know, you've, you've, you've sort of built up enough experience that you can, you can sort of work it out. But if you, if you're missing all that, then it's, um, like you, you can have all the knowledge, you can read all the books, but it's being able to, to bring that up, bring those bits of knowledge together and put them into action, which is, uh, which is really important. So, so, so when, so when I, when I published this, this story about Anita, uh, it was, it was more, it was more as a way of like, cause a lot, like I say, lots of people have like dreams and goals and some of them are actually quite, 
you know, like a really, 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 really easy, really, really easy to do. Um, but you just need someone to, you know, kind of need permission from someone else to say you can do them. And I think, you know, most people I meet could climb El Capitan or they could ski across Greenland or they could ski to the South Pole or whatever. They could do all these things, climb Everest. Um, but it's it's having that kind of that fire in, fire inside them. And then once you get there, often the fire is... It's like an it's like an illusion, really. You get there and you're like, "Oh fuck this! I'm not doing up there. I'm not doing that." You know, like yeah, like like re- rational the rational kind of self preservation like ret- returns to you. There's, so there's only, you know, there's on, there's only out you know like a out of a like out of a you know the eighty twenty rule is probably in in force. Like only twenty twenty percent of people would you know would really want to climb El Cap, and out, and out of that twenty percent. 80% would probably fail <laughs> for some reason. So, so yeah, so the fact that Anita went there and what, what, what is more interesting to learn from Anita's story was the, the drive that she had. It was probably driving the team of people in that the other, it sounds like the other climbers were more experienced. So she had like, she, in a way she was like a bubble. She was a, of surrounded by more experienced climbers but what those climbers like climbers who are maybe older than her more experienced than her what they lacked was that fire so often like a you know an older climber um hasn't got the fire and they but they find a younger climber without as much experience but has the fire and it kind of it kind of stokes them up you know like and it and it and it's like you know, like, well, you know, she, she really wants to do it. And she's telling us we have to go back and we have to go up there. And she's like, so such a pain in the ass, but like, you know, she's kind of right, you know, and it, and it kind of drives, drives people on. That's why it's quite good to have, you know, like older climbers and younger climbers, like climb together or working together or, or doing, you know, because it just creates, uh, you have these two different views of things. So, you know, like it, it, it was one of the, you know, that, that climb, you know, at the time there was these like massive winds and us and also people in Yosemite. And it was like, it sounds like pretty hairy up there. And, you know, they, they managed to get away with it. But, you know, if it had started, you know, like raining or snowing and, you know, they really pushed themselves and it sounds like they'd run out of food. I think in my book actually says about being aware, beware of mice eating your food and also being beware of mice having a shit in your pans, which is even worse. Don't have a lot of mouse shit in your food, um, maybe a bit ill. So, you know, like, it, like with all these things, you know, when it all works out, it's amazing. You know, like, oh, that's amazing. But and when it doesn't, it's like you fucking idiot. I mean, what with what were you thinking? So, um, it's like a, you know, there's a very fine line between stupidity and like her- heroism. So, um, but so yeah, so 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 the one thing that is most troubling about Anita and this and this story is what she, what she does next. Uh, you know what what people do next because they they in a way they're kind of delu- delusional. In a way, they just have this uh, you know this crazy enthusiasm, and it's instead of being like it's been tried to be checked once by breaking both your legs, and then you kind of push through that, and then you've decided you're going to climb El Cap, and you have climbed El Cap. And then the next stage is probably like I'm going to climb Everest or something. So, it, so hopefully, eventually you're going to hit like a, a log jam, and the log jam you're gonna it's going to stop you and it's going to give you time to consider and allow 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 some space for all that experience you need to overcome this log jam. 
you know, to learn how to use a chainsaw, learn how to climb over, you know, remove remove these wood, this wood, these trees from in front of you to carry on on your journey um, without basically getting crushed or drowned. So, so yeah, but you, but the thing is you can't really, you have no control over people. You know, you can just, you can just try in your best to tell people, you know, pass on, if you're serving the climate community and serving climbers and serving people, all you can do is try to be the voice of reason and try and give as much advice as you can and try and, Fill in all these gaps that you had to learn the hard way, and hopefully they can, if if they can learn it an easier in easier way, and hopefully put it into practice and learn it, you know, understand what it actually means, then they have more time to to climb harder or learn extra stuff or, you know, you know. So it's um, so it's a it's a it's a, diffi- it's a difficult one is when you're when you're that person who is not in, you know, when you're the motivating motivating force in someone else's life when that when their own motivation could kill could kill them or end up you know put them in a wheelchair or whatever it's difficult really but it's um i think you can just do what you just do what you do and just try and be uh try and pull pull the reins back a little bit and try and keep them safe so so yeah so um so what's the moral of this story i guess the moral of the story is is uh a bit like the safety, the one about staying alive, like the second podcast I did. I guess it's about trying to apply a positive influence on younger climbers or climbers, you know, the same age, but people, they don't destroy, don't, don't like put out that person's fire, but but either <laughs> exploit it for your own ambitions, what you want to do, um, or just try and get them to, just try to get them to harness it a little a little. A little better uh because if the if it does turn out badly for them you know it's it's a it's a horrible you know guilt to kind of carry that you had an opportunity to try and you know you know help help someone to 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 get to gain the benefit from from this uh you know crazy enthusiasm someone has because it's because really it's just like a fire that could can be applied to anything you know if that person stops climbing they can apply it to you know whatever they're doing it's just in it's like i think it's uh you know like 50 percent of it is just in your dna i think that you know people like that who have this amazing drive and focus and things so anyway so that's the end of this uh podcast i'm less rambly hopefully and uh less less noisy there's no call to prayers going on or trucks beeping so um i'll do another podcast on tuesday i'm going to do one about i had some questions about lanyards it's super exciting i know lanyards and not the ones that you have like your badge on but like lanyards as in cow's tails and things so thank you for listening Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.